lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Yeah, that's me. In a tie. Which means stuff got real around here. Greetings. Welcome to the Steve Day Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. It is our annual Independence Day commemoration. Todd Erzin is here with me, as is Aaron McIntyre. If you would like to join us today, they obviously did not get the memo that the show is more serious today. When you look at them and then and then you look at me. I would have worn a tie. I dig ties. I'm wearing a pink shirt. I believe the correct term, according to the dude code, is salmon or canary. Thank you. Yes, salmon or canary. Canary? Canary is acceptable, according okay. to the dude code, yes. Canary is acceptable, as is salmon. Pink? Depends. It depends. Isn't another dude code violation knowing that many variations of pink? Oh, um, here we go. Uh, <laughs> Were we serious? <laughs> Apparently not. Take the L. <laughs> Take the L. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. There's two reasons I'm in a tie today. One is the only other patriotic type of clothing I have is a Captain America t-shirt. And the other you'll find out about here in a moment. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. And if you go to uh, YouTube.com slash Steve Dace, that is where you can find clips of this show that you can sample and then share with others if you choose to do so. We would appreciate that. And don't forget, if you are a podcast subscriber, if you wouldn't mind smashing that subscribe button and crushing the five-star reviews for this show, the more of those that we get, the more it helps the show uh, to grow. And thank you to all of you that have done that for us already. More and more debates and battles are happening right now over whether or not your children have to wear uh, a diaper on their face in order to go back to school this year. If you just want to bypass all of that, let me just tell you this from the outset. You want to check out Freedom Project Academy. Over 40% of American families are considering homeschooling this fall because during the lockdowns, they realize that, uh, you know, now that we're reengaged with our kids' education, maybe we don't want to send them back there uh, to that uh, local center of indoctrination. Uh, if that is you, Freedom Project Academy is here to help your children get back on track with a live, interactive, online educational experience with students from across the country. From the comfort and convenience and safety of your own home, they can receive an accredited classical online education that is built on Judeo-Christian values for students K-12 through and where they're taught how to think, not what to think. If you're interested in getting more information about this, open enrollment ends soon. So please reserve your place today at freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. As I said at the top, it is our annual Independence Day commemoration on the show today. We are off tomorrow for company holiday for the 4th of July. So today is actually the commemoration of the actual two, two momentous things happened on this date. On this date 10 years ago, then-Vice President Joe Biden eulogized a former grand cyclops of the KKK. That happened in a state funeral for Robert Byrd. That happened 10 years ago today, and he referred to him as his friend, his mentor, and his guide. Let the non-gendered specific being in this audience 
who has not been led, mentored, and guided by a former grand cyclops of the KKK, cast the first stone, and I'll wait. Indeed, who are you to judge? That happened 10 years ago on this date. This was actually the date that the declaration was finalized, was on July the 2nd. All right, so it's kind of fitting that today is the day we are doing our 4th of July commemoration. We are going to look at history of this moment and what it says and means for us today. If you're brand new to this show and you've never heard our annual Independence Day program, you're in for a treat. We're going to get a real address from former founding father John Adams himself coming up in the next hour. We're going to look at what the 4th of July means here in 2020 with most of the commemorations of the 4th of July canceled. Unless you defy on the 4th of July, which you should, because that is perfect within the spirit of America. We'll get into that a little bit later on. If you're struggling with despair and hopelessness, and, and, and I got to tell you, the press conference they had at the White House this morning didn't help me with my struggle with that by any stretch. Ventilators. Still talking ventilators on July 2nd. So that's cool. Still talking about that. We're going to tell you the story here at the bottom of the hour of the founding father you probably have never heard of, but who proved the power one person can make in terms of a difference. The power of one. What one person can do to make a difference. That essentially, this individual and his one vote and what had to happen for that vote to get cast set the stage for the last 244 years that changed the world. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's special Independence Day Rundown. What happened while we were away brought to you by the same crap we cover every day on the montage, but today being our Independence Day special, I thought I'd change it up just a little bit. In Congress, July 4th, 1776. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying on its foundation such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for the future security. 
Such has been the patient sufferances of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over the states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused to assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governments to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions of the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers, incapable of annihilation, have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime to expose to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose, obstructing the laws of naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrants hither, and raising the conditions of the new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government, and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments, for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lands of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny already begun with the circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country to become the executioners of their friends and brethren or to fall themselves 
by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by our ties of common kindred to disavow these usurpations which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them, as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of our right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that the free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Let's just pause and let those images contrasting with the words you just heard. Let's let those simmer for a moment and sink in. The year is now half over. If I would have come in here six months ago, and told you we'd have 40 million people out of work. We'd have three weeks of riots and civil unrest in the streets not put down. The Republican Party would be debating whether to get rid of Columbus Day as a holiday. The Republican Party in Washington, D.C., You could be looking at almost an entire year. No sports, restaurants, movies, amusement parks, graduations, weddings, proms. That the churches would all be closed. I mean, if if, if I would have told you six months ago, that this is what this year entailed, you would have thought me nuts and I would have never predicted it. 
we're only at the halfway point of this year. I mean, if, if I would have predicted this five months ago on February 2nd, you'd have thought me nuts. If I would have predicted it four months ago on March 2nd, you'd have told me I'm crazy. And yet, here we are. I think there is a realistic chance. Now, let me define realistic chance. I wouldn't bet on it. I don't think it's like 50-50, but I think it's higher than 1% too, okay? I think it's definitely higher than 1%. There's a realistic chance at this rate and at this pace, we're not here celebrating our 245th birthday next year. This thing is disintegrating systemically. There's been a lot of talk about what's systemically wrong with America. Well, right now, one of the things that's wrong is it is systemically disintegrating. What I'm about to say next is going to seem like bad news and discouraging, but it's not. And I'll tell you why. We're on our own. We are on our own. The Republican cavalry is not coming. Stop waiting for it. The White House held a press conference today and stood up there and still tried to defend the worst decision of all time, the lockdowns, claiming they saved millions of lives with a message that's frankly indistinguishable from your Democratic governor that a lot of you were emailing me about and complaining about, your Gavin Newsom's, your Tom Wolf's. The message was indistinguishable. I couldn't tell the difference. We saved millions of lives by locking you down. The White House stood up there and said they approved of, of governors that were pausing lockdowns. And they stood up there on July 2nd and talked about how proud they are that they have all the ventilators we need. Like it was the first press conference about this virus four months ago. And this was on a day when, again, even with a half-assed reopening, we found out the economy last month added almost 5 million jobs. It is so obvious what is occurring. This is all about delaying a full reopening of the economy before the election. I know it. Todd knows it. Aaron knows it. All of you know this. All of you know this. I'm guessing you're screaming at your television sets watching this like I am. It's obvious. Yesterday was yet another day. This is like every day for the last two weeks now that we have set a record for fewest coronavirus deaths on that day since mid to late March. We did it again yesterday. Deaths for coronavirus have dropped 90% in America since April the 21st. 90%. The new case surge began in the middle of June. Typically, the hospital lag is two to three weeks. We're at that point right now, right now. Prior to June 20th, 17% of all positive tests in America ended up hospitalized. Do you know what the number's been since June 20th? 7%. 7. With testing skyrocketing. We're testing everything that moves right now. And 7% of those hospitalized are ending up in the hospital. 
The hospitalizations are dropping and they continue. Even now we're getting into the lag period where these new case surges should be showing us indeed if this is, if this, th- there's, there's not a second wave except of panic porn. And it's even worse than the first one because at least with the first one, there was some legitimate fear we didn't really know. Now we have all of this data. I sent a note this morning to somebody who's really close to the White House who I have a lot of respect for. I'm at, I'm, and I asked them, how do you help the helpless? How do you do that? They're up there today talking about, hey, the economy's going to come roaring back next year. You're not going to be the president next year, bro. And that's what you want, too. You want Joe Biden's dementia to take over. And right away, he gets the wind at his back with a massive economic recovery. Because you won't lead. And Pence is even worse. He's the same wuss that he was in Indiana. The concerned look in the furrowed brow as he addresses you with solemn, with a solemn a, a, a tone. Everything is always so serious. I want to walk up, smack him in the face and ask him, why so serious? Because you're not serious. You're not. You're not serious. We're on our own. But that's actually the good news. Because history shows people like us do our best work when we realize we're on our own. It's us and our God and what we believe against the world. 56 men thought that 244 years ago. And they wrote and they ratified those words that Aaron just shared. Maybe the most powerful polemic treatise written in the history of this world short of God's revealed word. The 5,000 year leap that changed the whole world. And it was just them on their own. And they're God. Literally against the world. The most powerful armada in all of the world. They didn't have a political party, a Senate majority, a White House, a cable news network, a Supreme Court, 200 plus years of tradition and history as a legacy to rely on. They had nothing except what they said at the end, their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. That was it. It's all that they had. And that, with the aid of Providence, turned out to be enough. The question is, are we ready and prepared to follow in those footsteps? I got a Got an email this morning. First thing I saw in my inbox when I woke up this morning was an email from a Marine. He's stationed half a planet away in Japan with his family. And he says, man, I'm on active duty. I listen to your show every morning out here. And I'm so concerned about what's happening in the future. What can I do? I wrote him back. I said, brother, (laughs) Leave it to an active duty Marine manning a post a half a planet away 
to ask himself, what more can I do? You're already doing it. You're doing it right now. The question is, what are those of us who get to spend this weekend here in this country because of Marines like him stationed a half a planet away? What are we prepared to do? Let me give you some examples. If you're in Pennsylvania right now, you should be going to your Republican state legislature, which has filed articles of impeachment against the Pennsylvania governor, Tom Wolf. And you should be urging them instead, because that will go nowhere. That has no realistic chance of, of success. Instead, what you should tell them is they should file a federal lawsuit against your governor today. Federal. In federal court today. On 14th Amendment grounds. Equal protection under the law. Tom Wolf himself marched in violation of his own social distancing edicts. He marched with those protesters in June. We all saw it with our own eyes. And now he wants to tell you that you have to be shut down, that you must wear a diaper on your face to go outside. He is not permitted by law to do that. And that's where your Republican legislature should be spending their energy as opposed to, hey, I went for impeachment and got some nice talking points on local conservative radio, but it had no chance of being successful. If you're one of those bar owners I'm reading about in Dallas who have filed a, law, a, a, a group lawsuit against the governor of Texas with his ridiculous wimping out. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Greg Abbott. I hope you weren't planning on coming to my state to run for president next go around. Actually, you know what? I kind of hope you are. I'll make an example out of you. I'll have all kinds of fun with you. But if you're one of those bar owners in Texas... That's great that you filed a lawsuit, but it's not good enough. Open all your bars today, right now. Open them up. I can't arrest all of you. Open them all up today, now. If you're a restaurant that's caught in the alcohol serving ratio, and so you're a family business getting shut down, open up. They can't arrest you all. See, that's what Sam Adams and Paul Revere and John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, that's what they did. And several of the men I just mentioned had real wealth. More wealth than most of us can imagine. But they recognized they can't burn all our they can't burn all our plantations. They can't burn all our homes. They can't arrest us all. They can't hang us all. We either hang together or we hang separately. If you have a family business in any of these states, if you're in one of those 19 counties in California, open your business right now. Go and open it up. And if you live in one of those 19 counties and you see somebody doing that, go to their business and give them some of yours. See, this is what it takes. It took this and so much more to get to these 244 years that we are commemorating this weekend. It's going to take at least some of what I just suggested, I believe, for us to see 245, let alone 244 more. 
If your church will not open, go to another church that does. Don't send your pastor another email. Don't even try. Kick the dust off your sandals and move on. Chances are you're one of those families that gives a lot, volunteers a lot. They'll miss you. You know who's really not complaining too much about not having to get up and go to church on a Sunday? The people who don't give and do a damn thing. They're not really complaining all that much. The people who just want the show on a Sunday to feel good. They don't care. They can get that online. You're the salt of the earth here. Vote with your feet and move on. If you are a pastor and you have not opened your church and you're listening to this, shame on you. Consider another calling. You're in the wrong one. If you're in a school district where the teachers don't want to teach, who think that the kids are there for them as opposed to they're there for the kids, move to another district. Go somewhere else. This is what it's going to take. We are on our own. Assistance from the system is not forthcoming. Stop waiting for it. Start acting upon the legacy that was passed down to you by men who did this and much more. you're on the steve day show you know why we are taking so many supplements these days because a lot of the good stuff that we need the vitamins nutrients omega uh all the great things that um are supposed to be in our food are taken out for mass consumption and uh, long shelf life and so it can be cheap for us and so we think we're saving money by the way that food's cheaper and then we go out and buy all these expensive supplements and so it's it's kind of six and one half dozen of the other. You're paying for it in the end anyway. Same thing goes with our dog's food, by the way. All that good stuff is stripped out of your dog's dry food as well. So if, if you want to put those prebiotics, those probiotics, the antioxidants, vitamins, nutrients, minerals back in your dog's diet, make sure you check out Rough Greens Smart. It is not a dog food. It is a premium dog food supplement. All you do is take the food that your dog already loves and sprinkle some of this on your pet's food. It apparently makes it taste even better because our dog, Cap, absolutely loves it. All right. And you do that for a couple of weeks and then see if you don't see uh, your dog is thriving better than before. In fact, that's why they call it the 14-day jumpstart. You can get that for just $14.95 right now. Give it a try for two weeks and see if you don't see improvement in your pet in 14 days or less for just $14.95. When you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze, that's roughgreens.com. It's R-U-F-F, by the way. That's how they spell it. For roughgreens.com slash blaze. A question I get a lot in our audience here as we continue on with our Independence Day commemoration, as you watch what is happening, what can I do? How, how, can, how can one person make a difference? You know, a lot of the names of our founding fathers, Washington, Jefferson, Adams, Payne, Franklin, I mean, these are names that are, well, used to be, anyway, Legendary. 
everywhere you went in this country. But what if I were to tell you that if not for the exploits of one man you've likely never heard of, we never arrive here at this day 244 years later. One person can make a difference. In fact, the story of Caesar Rodney shows that one person can make all the difference. All in favor? All opposed? That was only a straw vote to see where we stand. Well, only Delaware and Pennsylvania stand against the independence resolution. But in order to adopt it, the vote must be unanimous. The actual vote will take place tomorrow morning. Until then, we are dismissed. Rat! If only Caesar Rodney of Delaware were here, he'd vote with us and bring Delaware to our side. Caesar Rodney is bedridden. Wait a minute. James, could you and Moses race to Delaware to visit a sick friend? If it's thieves, I'm alone. You'll only have me to rob. (laughs) We're not robbers. Ah, then you've come to escort me to the next world. No, just Philadelphia. That's a far cry from heaven. Dr. Franklin sent us. With news of the independence resolution? The vote is tomorrow, and your vote is very important. Help me out of bed, gentlemen. Wouldn't it be better if you rode in the carriage with us? Speed is everything. Thanks again, fellows. Cough sounds bad. We'd better try to keep up with him. I don't understand why you wouldn't let us take it. Now you've seen a real hero. <laughs> Daddy Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to make it inside. As I believe the voice of my constituents and of all sensible and honest men is in favor of independence, my own judgment concurs with them. I vote for independence. It's unanimous. The resolution on independence passes. You know about the famous ride of Paul Revere, but the reality is 
that's the most important ride in all of American history. Caesar Rodney, literally believing he was at death's door, riding through the night in the middle of a thunderstorm in order to make it there in the morning to cast the decisive vote in the Delaware delegation for independence. And why was this vote so important? They sent delegations of three. Two out of three had to agree on independence. And as you heard John Hancock say there, it had to be unanimous. They weren't going to do this with 12. They weren't going to do this with 11. They weren't going to do it with nine or eight. They weren't going to do it with a supermajority. They were either all going to hang together or hang separately. It was 13 or nothing was the answer. And his one vote held up the Delaware delegation, which was deadlocked. And so he literally risked his life to ride through the night to cast that vote. One person can absolutely make a difference. Caesar Rodney made all the difference. Now, here's the thing to remember, though. It wasn't like he was the deciding vote. The declaration is ratified the next day, and we're all free men. That's not how this went down. This man risked his life to then go out and risk his life. He risked his life to risk his life. He served in that war. He risked his life for the chance to risk his life for freedom. I think of the woman, what was her name, Todd? I forget. It's Sheila something in Dallas. Do you remember her name? We had her on the show. The Solano. The Solano. Yeah. I I don't recall her name. But look at the difference she made. She brought the state of Texas to its knees, man, to its knees, because she refused, she refused to go to hers. Shelley Luther. Thank you. I thought it was Sheila. Shelley Luther. Thank you, Aaron. The state of Texas could not handle the visual of putting this attractive woman who just wants to open her business to help the women working for her feed their children. They couldn't handle the heat they were taking. In about 24 hours, the governor acted, the attorney general acted, the state Supreme Court acted, the whole system acted. Just because of the heat she put on them herself. Because she was willing to pay the price. If they couldn't take the heat from just one Shelley Luther, why do you think they'd take the heat from all of you? You don't have to comply with any of this. You're not going to decide whether your kids are. The system isn't going to decide whether your kids go back to school. You are. You're going to decide that. What are you willing to live with? The system, the governor's not deciding whether your business is open or not. You are. You're deciding that. The governor didn't decide whether your daughter's wedding is going off or not. You're deciding that.
We are on our own. It's just us and the God our rights come from. We're not a nation of laws, and we never have been. We are a nation of political will, and we always will be. The story of Caesar Rodney proves that. Sheer will took that man off his deathbed to risk his life in the middle of the night so that he could go and be the deciding vote for a chance to risk his life some more. We have deluded ourselves, deceived ourselves into believing that, <clears throat> pardon me, in, in order to maintain the legacy men like Caesar Rodney passed to us, it wouldn't require similar sacrifices. I did something the other day that was hypocritical, frankly. I didn't want to answer a question from a listener because I thought the possibility of answering this in a general public setting could get me banned from social media and that would be bad for my business. I was wrong. Screw that noise. So next week we're going to take that conversation that was in our overtime and we're going to air it right here on this show when we come back from the holiday. That's going to be next week. Caesar Rodney literally risked his life. Why do I give a turd if Twitter Jack in between seeing Shaman in Africa wants to get rid of the Steve Day Show account? Who cares? Apparently we do though. So we're making those kinds of decisions all the time. If you leave it up to the system, the odds we're not going to see a 245th birthday are going up a lot higher. Self-government begins with the self. And it starts with us. Gentlemen, your thoughts. You know, one of the great blessings of being on this show is the number of ways we try to communicate truth to you. Sometimes it's flat out out of the gospel. Sometimes it's uh, more uh, secular uh, and uh, legalistic constitutional. I mean legalistic in uh, not a pejorative term, but in, in terms of the, the bedrock that allowed us to uh, found our country, born out of uh, Locke, Montesquieu, things like that. And, and sometimes it's pop culture. And I'm just going back to what we were telling you before we ever heard of a lockdown or a coronavirus that the show Yellowstone, which now is starting its third season, that that line in there that I've told you about rings more true than ever. No one ever fights back. It is such a fundamental problem in this country that we take it and think it righteous. We, that's the problem. It's it, it's it it's we excuse our cowardness as a way of, we're agreeable, we're common sense, we're down the middle. No, 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 you're cowards. And then I just go back to William Wallace. What would you do without freedom? So every year from now, when you're lying in your bed, would you give this day to that to have one chance, like Caesar Romney, one chance to say, you may take my life, but you will never take my freedom. 
It's all right there in front of you. You know it. You've been... T- I mean, Hollywood itself, through Avengers movies, it couldn't help but tell the great stories because they are undeniable and unavoidable. Those pagans told you flat out the difference between good and bad and what must be done to preserve it. It is now just up to you. Are you a man or a lemming? It's that simple. If it was not any more obvious in the last three months... We should have hindsight be 2020, whatever's better than 2020, if, if that's even true. We, we should have this magnified right in front of us. What is going on and what is being attempted right now? It's not just the election, guys. We all know that. That's one of the reasons. What is going on right now is the attempt to undo all the true patriotism, heroism, and selflessness that was displayed by oodles of other people other than Caesar Rodney and what the story that we just heard. What, what, what's being attempted right now is, is the destruction, the retconning, at best, of all of that. Remember on March 29th? March 29th was a Sunday. The week leading up to March 29th, we had heard from our president that we wanted to get things opened up by Easter again. By Easter again. Of course, that was met with the typical cries of panic pornography. And it was dialed up to 12, 13, 14 spinal tap. Then on March 29th, yeah, we're going to slow the spread for 30 days. You can't go to church to celebrate Easter. You can't gather in church for any reason. You can't gather at all for any reason. You can't go get your hair cut for any reason. But of course, it coincided. I, I think the, the real reason, now looking back on it, is because we, we saw and witnessed a chance for the left and for all of the forces, the dark forces in this country, to cancel Easter. Fast forward three months later now, four months later almost, you can't celebrate Independence Day. You can go burn down a church, though, if you would like to. You can go topple a statue if you'd like to. In fact, leftist websites will put out video tutorials on how the best practices go for tearing down statues. And yet, guys, people like you watching this right now, there's a hell of a lot more. I still believe that. There's a hell of a lot more people like you than there are like those little Antifa twerps trying their best to tear down those statues and to burn your neighborhoods. There's a hell of a lot more like you. And going back to what Steve said, they can't put all of you in jail. As many as as many as many they've gotten out of there for uh, fears of the coronavirus, they still can't fit all of you in there. You've got nothing to lose in your country to gain. We'll be joined by John Adams, founding father himself, next hour. Stay tuned. Back with Hour 2 here with our special Independence Day commemoration. We do this every year here on the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you'd like to join us. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. At Parlor. 
at Steve Dace, P-A-R-L-E-R. Uh, so we're at Steve Dace on Parlor. We've only been on there for a couple of days. We're over five, almost to 5,000 followers on there already. So that's pretty cool. It's crazy how that works. Yeah, it is. I mean, we're over 70,000 now on Twitter. So that's kind of cool. And I think we've now added officially 15 people on Facebook. So there's there's that. All right. Um, the more things change, the more they stay the same. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace is where you can go. If you're looking for clips of this show, you can sample for free and then share with others if you wouldn't mind. Uh, YouTube.com slash Steve Dace and you can subscribe there as well. And remember, if you're a podcast listener, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, uh, the more of those we get, it helps the show to grow too. Working here, Steve. Those 15 editions we've had on Facebook are just spying on us to get us canceled. Uh, that's, yes, that's, that's true. That is probably true. Yes, that is probably true. So if, if you didn't, if, if, we, if there's any lessons we have got to learn over what we have been through from a health perspective these last few months, it is to take control preventatively of our own health as much as we can so that we are the least amount at the whims of the current system where you never know. They might tell you that no matter, unless you have the Rona, don't come to a hospital for, or, or, or clinic for any reason for three months. And then after they tell you it's okay to come back, they then want to claim that now that everybody's going back to hospital, the hospitals are overrun, right? <laughs> two plus two equals five. Yes, right. So if we've learned anything these last few months, take control of your own health. Let me give you one tip on how you can do that, all right? Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition, one scoop has a full serving, which is more than most Americans are getting on a daily basis, frankly, of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Those boost your energy, support a healthy immune system, and, and not to mention if you have uh, a regimen, if your eating regimen is, is, is densely populated with fruits and vegetables, it can reduce your risk of heart disease, hypertension, and a whole host of other health issues that they may decide in states like California that they don't want to treat again because... Um, if you want to know, let me tell you what's happening in your states. You're overrun by illegal immigration and people are bringing the Rona from Mexico where about 49% of all tests are positive and they're taking it into your states. And that's why it's these border counties in Texas and Arizona and California that are getting crushed compared to the rest of the state. And so just as you now must lose wages because we won't secure our borders, you now have to close your business as well, right? Just take as much of your fate out of this system as possible. When we offer you products that can help you take control of your own health, your own wealth, etc., take advantage of it. In fact, if you do that with Brickhouse Nutrition, uh, you're going to save 15% off of your first order right now when you go to BrickhouseSteve.com and use the promo code Steve. Get 15% off your first order. If you like it, decide to subscribe. They'll take 10% off of it every single month on top of that too. All right. So if you want those discounts, promo code Steve at BrickhouseSteve.com. Each year, we are honored on this program for the 4th of July to be joined by one of our founding fathers himself, the one and only John Adams. Adams, sirs, I appreciate this opportunity to take the floor. I do understand this gathering. It is precisely what my colleagues and I had in mind, what we dreamed of, why we abandoned our homeland, our England, and why we abandoned our King George. I am John Adams, 
I will become president of the United States. I will become the first of only two presidents whose son will also become president. But I will primarily be known for my work with the Declaration of Independence and the founding of this land. I was disliked by many, considered brutish, pushy, but I always professed my calling to be bold. My attitude has always been, come with me in Christ, or get out of my way. <clears throat> I come to this Congress with two proposals for your, <clears throat> excuse me, with two proposals for your consideration, after which I intend to depart and charge you with defining their merit. Proposal number one, that the Christian heritage of this land shall be revealed, shared, taught, and stressed to all American children. In other words, the Christian history will be included in the public education. <clears throat> Fifty-five members attended the Constitutional Convention. Fifty-two of those fifty-five were actively involved in their respective churches. Did you know? The words God and Jesus occur numerous times in the writings of our founders. Hundreds of times. Oftentimes a synonym was used, such as Master, Heavenly Father, Divine Provider, Jehovah Jireh. My friend George Washington used fifty-four different references to our Lord. Did you know? Fifty-four. Likewise, a hundred years later, a Mr. Abraham Lincoln will use 49 such references, and a Mr. Robert E. Lee will use 45. Did you know? Thus, the profound significance and impact of Jesus Christ on the history of this land, let alone the profound significance and impact of Jesus Christ on some rather remarkable Americans. One such American, a personal friend of mine, <coughs> was Mr. Benjamin Franklin. And despite his uh, shortcomings in morality, he too understood God's divine providence. Here, this is on file from the Constitutional Convention dated June 28, 1787. Franklin was addressing the morning worship, excuse me, uh, the Congress. Well, how has it happened, sir, that we have not hitherto once thought of humbly appealing to the Father of lights to illuminate our understanding? In the beginning of our contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible to danger, we had daily prayers in this very room for divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And I firmly believe in this. My friends, that was Benjamin Franklin. 
That is but one example of the Christian heritage of this land. There are numerous others. Here, Patrick Henry, yes, he said, give me liberty or give me death. But only after, he said, an appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left. We shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations, and he will raise up friends to fight our battles. Is life so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God, and only then give me liberty or give me death. Did you know the secular historians must have omitted something, don't you think? Mr. Thomas Jefferson believed that the constitutional freedom of religion is the most inalienable and sacred of all human rights. Mr. George Washington, without an humble imitation of the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion, we can never hope to be a happy nation. Mr. Abraham Lincoln, the only assurances of our nation's safety is to lay our foundation in morality and religion. Ladies and gentlemen, I suggest to you the Christian character of this land is not being taught to your children. Furthermore, the historical significance of Jesus Christ on the history of this land, like a woolen mitten on frigid fingers, has been a perfect fit, allowing God's hand to guide this country to its survival and lead her to her divine destiny. The Bible tells us we shall reap what we sow. My friends, the Christian seeds have already been planted by numerous Christian men and women, including philosophers and presidents, generals and gentlemen, patriots and housewives and ministers. Take care of this Christian land. Let your children know of the Christian seeds planted by Christian men, such as Jefferson, Washington, such as, such as Mr. James Madison, another future president, such as Mr. John Hancock, the very first signer of the Declaration of Independence, such as Mr. Noah Webster, the prolific thinker and remarkable author of the dictionary found in many of your homes. These were Christian men. Your efforts to teach that Christian heritage will not only be nurturing to all, but perhaps eye-opening to self, and certainly appreciated by our Heavenly Father. Well, if you will excuse me, the heat here is somewhat reminiscent of the heat I experienced one summer many years ago in the village of Philadelphia. That first proposal sets the foundation for my second most difficult and certainly controversial proposal. That our future choices, yours and mine, our future choices will be guided, guarded, and governed by those Christian principles and ideals set forth in the first proposal. In other words, our Christian choices will be based upon Christian principles, not worldly principles. My friends, tomorrow will bring about numerous challenges, numerous changes. You know that. 
Why, the devil himself will attempt to erode the foundation of that first proposal by using man's own intellect, own inquisitiveness to tempt and eventually destroy those Christian principles and ideals. If the devil himself were to tamper with our future course of events, can you imagine? For example, what a shame it would be if one day man were to discover how to eliminate a child prior to its birth and the government approved it. What a shame it would be if one day a new type of cannonball was developed, one capable of enormous explosive power, even including clouds of poisonous plagues, and the peoples and the nations accepted their occasional use. And, and what a shame it would be if one day a, a device... An image box of some sort was capable of sending evil images into our homes. And we not only permitted it, but promoted it so thoroughly and participated in it so thoroughly as to allow its evil tendencies to desensitize our moralities and virtually destroy our family time together. What a shame it would be if one day the love and compassion we have for our neighbors became secluded and isolated behind locked doors, privacy, fencing, and hedges. And what a shame it would be if one day a person or group in authority were to decide the family unit is not really defined, a sexual rebellion including same-sex relationships was allowed like smoke to seep under the doors into our log cabins, altering our marriage covenant and the family unit itself and the Christian neighborhood complained in private but remained silent and spineless in their public opposition? What a shame it would be if one day man were to learn to soar like birds in some type of flying apparatus only to turn around and use such a device to inflict harm on their fellow man. What a shame it would be if one day greed and ownership and materialism and corporate wealth became more important than giving, honesty, and helping thy neighbor to cut firewood. And lastly, what if our freedom to pray, what if our freedom to worship and pray freely and openly were taken away by our own government? If King George were to arrive on this soil tomorrow and prevent your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren from praying during schooling, well, such unlikely abominations must be repelled. Yes, the devil will use worldly men, but you must use the Christian principles and ideals set forth by my friends and my colleagues, your forefathers, 
fathers and your founding fathers to dismember such abominations. Thus, my two proposals, I trust you will consider them, absorb any wisdom found therein, and adjust your lives accordingly. Oh, well, now you know why I was disliked by many. Perhaps I have offended you or your neighbor. That was not my intention. But I will not apologize for my Christian heritage. Nor will I stand idly by when I see it being challenged and or ridiculed by future individuals and or events. And lastly, my dear friend George Washington was constantly found to be in prayer. Did you know? He had been leading our troops against the vastly superior forces of King George. One wintry evening around dusk, a Quaker, ironically a Tory Quaker by the name of Potts, Mr. Isaac Potts, came upon the general. The general was alone at the edge of the wood. Mr. Potts was not seen by the general, but this is what Mr. Potts observed. The general was alone at the edge of the wood, only his four-legged trusty, ashen-spotted mount named Nelson stood off his shoulder. It was quiet. It was cold. The general was on his knee. So quiet. Only an occasional snort from Nelson nearby, colored the chilly, silent air. The general's hands were folded, his stature severe. His head was bowed, and he was praying. Picture that on your imaginary canvas. Picture that. General George Washington. Later, that Tory Quaker who observed this wrote about what he saw that evening outside his village at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. He wrote... If there is anyone on this earth who the Lord will listen to, it is George Washington. And I feel a presentiment that under such a commander there can be no doubt of our eventually establishing our independence and that God in his providence has willed it so. My friends, this country is founded in God. Did you know? We've been playing in that on this show for about 15 years now. Old friend of the program uh, did that performance. Uh, named Michael Ernst passed away a few years ago. Uh, he did this all over the country. 
and uh, then added a second one for Charles Carroll, which I'm sure Todd, you know, the only Catholic signer yes. of the of the Declaration of Independence, and and um, I mean these were these these are tremendous one person shows, riveting when you see them in person, and I always kind of thought that uh, he could do bigger, but he really had a passion for the legacy of this country and he devoted his talents to trying to spread that message to the next generation. I don't know what you thought, uh, Todd, but it, it, it seems, I know this thing almost by heart now. I've heard it so many times, right? I don't know. Given what's going on in the country right now, it kind of feels like I, I was listening to that for the very first time. What were some of your thoughts? No, no kidding. This whole show, I mean, Aaron's montage, all of it. Uh, I'm struck when you when you think of the Christian uh, creeds, uh, one holy Catholic apostolic church, and if, make the Catholic uh, small c. It, it's the bent of what he is talking about in this nation founded in Christ is aiming at those things. Just like uh, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, the the things that the fundamentals that we must adhere to 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 become the people collectively that can sustain the good, the true, and the beautiful, and you juxtapose that with what we are seeing now: uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, pride parades. Now, the uh, the need to get rid of Mount Rushmore. By, apparently, some uh, South Dakota tribes are signing off onto that. I mean, the Democratic Party actually tw- tweeted it uh, with a reference to white supremacy, and then when they got called out for it, took the tweet back. But yeah, but you can't. It, John Adams is talking about the things, despite the differences of the states, the, uh, who they were founded by, under what purpose and why. The, the the thrust of the founding fathers was, yes, out of many, one. There are differences. We get that. But what are our fundamentals? Because unless we agree on those, I go back to resetting what Steve said. Right. Either we hang together or we will hang separately. Right now, we are insisting on so many levels uh, within the American framework that our separation is not only what makes us unique, but is our holiness. It is So to totally flip the script, where John Adams is talking about how our foundation must be in Christ— they don't understand what they're saying, but these all these modern movements are setting their foundation in demonic principles. They are pulling us away from the good, the true, and the beautiful that allow us, in our difference, to have difference agreeably, to challenge ourselves Socratically. Hey, here's on the table. I'm going to give you my best. You're going to give me your best, and we're gonna we're gonna sort things out. Because of a strict adherence to the truth. The things that Steve has founded his show on, fear God, tell the truth. We, we have nothing to do with that anymore, and we think it righteous. There's, there's no difference apart from John Adams that is negotiable 
in terms of providing for a sustainable framework to live in this place called America, which is why very much America simply does not exist in them anymore. In many fundamental ways, we live in Sodom and Gomorrah and not in a place called America. Aaron, by the way, I'm getting a lot of compliments on your montage today. Oh, um, uh, a lot of men telling me that uh, you actually made them break down watching that. Well, I'm I'm glad. Um, I, I'm glad to hear that. And you know, there was an interesting debate yesterday. I saw uh, a few a few uh, compadres over at the the Daily Wire engaging in about morality, the concept of morality, and does it change through history? And I think the false choice there is that the Christian ethic never changes. Morality, the way one lives that out in terms of how we understand, how we, how we act upon that Christian ethic, the better understanding or, or what the repercussions for, for things are, that, that absolutely does change. And I bring that into this because all of who we talk about today, the Founding Fathers, they had their foibles. Of course they did. I mean, crap. Uh, ben Franklin, we would probably call him a, a hedonist, a definitely a hedonist uh, by those standards back then. All of them had their foibles. But each of them recognized, as to Todd's point, a certain set of fundamentals. Fundamentals that to this day have been twisted and warped. One of those fundamentals is that a belief in God, a Judeo-Christian orthodoxy in God, in, in Jesus Christ, gives us liberty, not to sin, but from sin. That was one of the fundamental tenets. That's where we get this notion Steve brings up on the show all the time is that what makes America exceptional is that our founding fathers recognized that we were not the exception to the rule. That's what made us exceptional. Somewhere along the line, and it's been over a generation after generation, and now we're seeing the fruits of this in our, in our streets every single day, is that we think that liberty and even some Christian liberty, some, some Christian and I use air quotes, notions of liberty, give us the liberty, the freedom to sin. That's not it at all. When we mix those things up, it becomes, it goes from freedom in Christ, that we are not chained and shackled to our wretched hearts anymore. We go from that to freedom to do whatever our wretched hearts say is right, because that, that's what liberty and freedom mean. It's this fundamental twi uh, uh, twisting and warping, as I keep saying, of the notion of freedom and liberty. That our founders got right for all of their problems that we get wrong today. For all of our same problems, it's just that because we don't get that right. Good grief, guys. The wages of that are being borne out in every statue that's been toppled every storefront that's been burned out, and every black man and white, white uh, punk that's gotten shot, killed, maimed, injured over the last three months because of what's happened. There is a way out here. But, and that's the good news. The, the bad news, though, is the way out 
is the is the same as the way in. There there isn't another path here that avoids a confrontation, that avoids something of consequences. We're too far gone now. The system is aligned against you. The Supreme Court has let it be known under a Republican appointee as Chief Justice, it's let you know that you are not permitted to use the traditional system to defend your liberty. You're not. So, the only path forward now is disobedience. That's the path forward. You're going to have to say no. We're not going to do things that God says are wrong. No, you're not entitled to parts of my life that God says you're not entitled to. You're not God. God is. So my answer is no. You don't own my business. I do. No. No is the answer. No, you don't get to tell me what I teach my kids. No. I'm not, no, I'm not doing it. No. Do your worst. Are we willing to say that, though, and stand for it? The people who founded this country were. Hey, what's the number one sign of a bad home security system? One that's so complicated you don't ever use it. Uh, that's exactly the type of security system Simply Safe is not and has spent a decade fighting against because they believe that simple is safer. And it's exactly why Simply Safe is the home security for right now when feeling safe at home has never been more important. How simple is it? I was able to install this. And in like 10 minutes or less, that's how simple it is. All right. And it also um, protects your whole home 24-7. Just open the box, place the sensors, plug it in. And that's it. Your home is protected around the clock. No technician or salesperson has to come and disrupt your home. And you don't pay any outrageous monthly fees. You don't have to sign some long-term contract either. Simply Safe for all of these reasons, and I can attest to it. Uh, I love my Simply Safe habit at my house. This is why it was named the best overall home security of 2020 by U.S. News and World Report. If you want to give it a shot, go to simplysafe.com slash truthbombs. That's simplysafe.com slash truthbombs. You get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee if you don't like it. All right, 60-day money-back guarantee. They give you two months to try it. And free shipping at simplysafe.com slash truthbombs. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash truthbombs. So let's, let's bring all of what we've talked about here today home to the moment we're in right now. And I wrote about this for The Blaze in a piece that uh, will be out over the weekend. But I want to give you folks uh, here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast a preview of that conversation. All right? Let's go to the the final line of the first verse of our national anthem. I think there's actually three verses, just most people only know the first one. All right? Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave. Now, you know this line, right? Did you know that it actually, when it was originally written by Francis Scott Key, it actually ends with a question mark? Did you know that? It ends with a question mark. And that's easy to forget because when you think of that line of the song, 
normally it is said at a time where it is just like declared as automatic. It's unambiguous pride. Um, you'll hear it's at a football game. You'll see military jets racing across the sky, packed stadiums of people. Um, our, you know, our voices collectively soar as we sing those final words, right? Those final notes. And in those moments, we kind of just, yeah, man, we got this. It's kind of just taken for granted. It's an automatic. It's like a birthright, right? What's taken for granted? That all men are created equal? That they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights? And that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Is that, is that just taken for granted? Well, I mean, the men that codified that into our organic law didn't take it for granted. They, they knew what asserting that. They, they, they understood what the price was going to be for asserting that. That's why they pledged their lives, fortunes, and sacred honors. Because it could cost them everything. Everything they own. Their reputations. Most of all, their lives. Sometimes we think about the words to that song when you watch an Olympic athlete wearing the colors accepting the gold medal see the tears running down their cheeks or when we see veterans solemnly pause to salute a flag at a monument that was built by a grateful public to recognize the sacrifices that they and other generations have made to make it possible for us to sing that song this is an equation though and for the math to work, the other side of the equation has to do its part. See, the, the people, we, we the people, have always been the ones ultimately charged with passing this down to future generations. To, to borrow a phrase that we have used often in another context these days. These creeds are what have given us, as a people, sort of a herd immunity to tyranny. And we've kind of passed that on from generation to generation. And the expectation is that not only will you declare these things, but you will take declarative action in your time to protect and defend and pass them on if it is necessary. That's supposed to be our defining legacy as a people. There's not supposed to be a question mark on our watch. Let me read to you some quotes you've heard before. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish. No question mark there. A declaration. This nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Gettysburg Address. No question mark there. Lincoln declares it so. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. No, no question mark there. Just a declaration. When we allow freedom ring, 
when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. No question mark there. In fact, that ends with an exclamation point. Just to cement that that is a declaration. See, when you declare something, you don't leave the option that the alternative scenario could occur. Failure is not an option here. That the, the moment is so profound. That so much is at stake. You can't contemplate what happens if it doesn't work. I don't know about how it works in your home, but one of the things that my wife and I have often argued about the most over the years is I speak in declarations. And she's the planner, right? She's into the details. So she needs to know what's the alternative if this doesn't work. Hey, you leave your job at WHO, go out on your own, and nobody thinks you're any good at this, so what do we do then? <laughs> right? Okay? And I, I live in a world where I can't accept that failure is an option. Because if I accept that failure is an option, I think it increases my odds to fail. So I I don't even contemplate what happens if we fail. I don't even discuss it. To do or do not, man, there is no try. I live in that world. But she's wired differently and and, and wants to know what are the details? What's what's plan B, C, D? I don't, I I got plan A. That's my plan. Uh, I win. This is successful. That's the plan. I don't know. I don't know what happens if it's not. And all the time I spend thinking that it might not be creates the odds that I'm creating a self-fulfilling prophecy here. On a far more cosmic scale, the men who said the words I just shared with you, that's why they just declared it so. It wasn't an option that the union could dissolve. It wasn't an option that we could fight this war of independence and then not come together to ratify a constitution that made us a a one people. It's not an option. It's not an option that after waiting for hundreds of years for us as one segment of society denied our due because of the color of our skin, that we would just wait another generation and have that denied, that birthright not made accessible to us. Men whose faces God painted the same as mine, they died in that Revolutionary War. They died in the Civil War. They died in World War I and World War II for this country. They deserve the birthright denied them for too many generations. It's simply just not an option that we would just fail again or ever. But let's face it. Nowadays, for most of us, we've either never heard those words, let alone don't know who said them, Um, and many of us are frankly ignorant and willing to virtue signal that it is time to tear down all these statues to the past. It's time to tear down the statue of emancipation because it's racist for some odd reason. Why are you tearing down this statue? I want equality. This is a statue about emancipation. So why are you tearing it down? It's racist. So equality is racist?
We got to know the name Chaz over the last few weeks. Notice it's but a footnote now. The mayor of Seattle decided, hey, you're coming to my house. Then, uh, you know, the summer of love. The, the, the jig is up here. Okay. Got to hit the cancel on that. But the reality is, Chaz is a place that lives in the hearts and minds of too many Americans these days. Well, they're not Americans anymore. They're traitors. And it goes way beyond the bounds of Seattle, Washington. There's a Chaz in just about every state house in America. Lord knows there's a Chaz in every damn newsroom in America. Can I get a witness on that? It's where the disconnect from the reality of the words that we just shared with you is just beyond repair. You can't get there. That's why the Emancipation Statue has to come down. The Emancipation Monument has to come down because it's racist. It's racist to, to fight racism now. That's racist. Up is not only down, but down is a dude who can menstruate. Getting a lot of those these days. Which is also why 4th of July events around the country are given the lockdown treatment. But if you want to tear down what the 4th of July is about, then commence, oh, festival, you may march to your little heart's content. Especially if you're shaking your fist at God. Then you really can. You are being told in no uncertain terms that this isn't your country anymore. You and your hopes, your dreams, um, they're all canceled. And may even deserve a random beating if you're truly lucky. Because America was never good anyway or something. One political party in this country has a tramp stamp of this spirit of the age tattooed on its non-gendered specific back. And it's running around topless right now. You can all see. It's all hanging out. While the other party has a not-so-secret fetish for being dominated into submission by such usurpers. They're like, you know, 50 shades of gray, and boy, there's multiple meanings to that, if you know what I'm saying. What is it? Ron Johnson, the senator from Wisconsin, who was one of the ones proposing getting rid of Columbus Day yesterday and replacing it with Juneteenth, is now... By the way, I don't, I don't, I don't care if you make Juneteenth a holiday. Because it's about emancipation. Although, if we, if we honor emancipation, we're tearing down the emancipation monument. If we make Juneteenth a holiday and honor emancipation, is that racist too? I don't know. I don't know anymore. Do you know? I don't know. Now Ron Johnson's out there saying, well, I was concerned about uh, the uh, you know, uh, federal holidays. I'm cutting waste, fraud, and abuse. No, what you're doing is resigning now before we tar and feather you. That's what you're doing. Resign now to escape the wrath of the people. Resign yesterday. That's what you should be doing. There is a virus that has consumed us, folks, but it is, it is not COVID. It is not. So I don't know how to say Happy Fourth of July to you this year or whether to say it at all. I don't know. Let's go back to that last line of the, of, of the, of the anthem, shall we? Is it the land of the free? Question mark. I don't know. Is it the home of the brave? Question mark. I don't know. I don't know. In fact, all I kind of see nowadays 
Question marks. What's a border? What's a gender? What's a person? What's a house? What's a constitution? What's a judge? What's a law? What's a church? That's kind of who we are nowadays. Remember when Prince changed himself to a symbol? I do. Yeah, we should just get rid of the name United States of America and just make ourselves a symbol. And it's just a question mark. Every time you address anything as it relates specifically to the United States of America, just use a question mark instead. That's where we are. Now, in the time that is now here, those questions are about to get answered. And the future of this country comes down to who will be the one answering them. Because nature abhors a vacuum. If we don't want to fill in the blanks and answer these questions, I promise you history shows they will be answered for you. Gentlemen, do you have any final thoughts? You know, um, this is a really weird turn, but I think it fits really well. In the movie Anchorman, Ron Burgundy always signs off saying, uh, you stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy. Always with the period. He gets some new competition at his TV station in this movie, and they mess around with the, the teleprompter. Ron has been reading off the p- teleprompter. You'll re- he'll read anything off of the teleprompter because that's just what he does. He's just going along, uh, going along. Somebody messes with the teleprompter, and he ends his uh, sign-off with, You stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy. For too long... Too many people in this country have just been reading off the teleprompter. Mm. We're just going to go to work every day and do our thing, and we're America. And finally, this happens. We got some new competition for the American way of life here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us have been going along to the football game saying and singing, Jose does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave, period. Now we're doing the Ron Burgundy. We're doing the Ron Burgundy. Um, The story still has yet to be written, though. Or at least yet to be finished. There's still some hope. Brother, that was an odd turn. But that odd turn, that'll preach right there. That will preach right there. That is very well put. Enjoy your weekend. Defy on the 4th of July. John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.